Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Hi, and I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 24-year survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're also the co-founders of Breast Friends. So this morning, I wanted to start off with just a little comment. Um, Being a life coach, I uh, help people with creating goals for themselves. And of course, I'm very conscious of goals for myself as well and things I want to accomplish in life. But it's interesting, even though we have a plan, we have our goals written down, we, we have a deadline for those goals, um, my message really this morning is all about flexibility. Because sometimes the best laid plans, <laughs> right, Becky, uh, don't, actually, don't actually turn out that way. And um, I'll use an example. Um, we, my husband and I decided we were going to sell our house and we were going to move into a, uh, a large, uh, like a motorhome kind of thing. And we were just about, I mean, we'd picked it out. We'd, we'd really gone through a lot of work trying to figure all that out and figured out our storage situation. And I mean, all of the little bumps that come along with the road. Well, the, we're about ready to buy this thing, and our um, salesperson said, now you've got a place to put it, right? And we're like, well, <laughs> no, no, uh, we don't, actually. And so we made a few phone calls, and everybody that was somewhat nearby were booked. I mean, literally booked with a waiting list for a year. And I'm like, huh. I guess we're not going to do that. (laughs) And so now we have moved into a manufactured home in a wonderful little park outside of the Portland area. And it's perfect. It really has, I guess, solved a lot of the problems, questions that we had. And we have a smaller trailer that we can still go and travel and do. But it's interesting, had we been so hell-bent on that one particular goal, we might have found ourselves in a very precarious situation. So I just want everyone to understand how important goals are, how important having a vision of what your future looks like is. But again, be flexible because, again, sometimes life throws you curveballs and sometimes you can actually find a better solution by being flexible. That is so true. You know, when I when I went through my cancer journey the first time and I wrote that list of things to do before I die, uh-huh. I, had a, I had on there to get back to a single digit dress size and um, I've decided to be flexible on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just flat took that one off my list, you know. So. That one might not happen, huh? <laughs> Probably not in this lifetime. No. 
Anyway, <laughs> well, Sharon, thanks for that. That was, you know, it's a good reminder because we do sometimes get our, our heads wrapped around one thing that that's the thing that has to happen. And, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's because there's a better solution for you around the corner. So, you know, whether you're buying, trying to buy the right house or the right, you know, mobile home or whatever it is you're looking for, or you're trying to get that perfect job and it doesn't come, um, that's okay because the next, the best one is right around the corner. And, you know, if that's, that's a kind of just a good, healthy way to look at it too. So with that, thank you so much for sharing. Um, we have a guest today who's going to talk about a subject that is really important to many of our listeners. Um, you know, we all battle this at different times. Not all, not all of us do, but through, you know, radiation or surgery or just any kind of number of things, we can develop something called lymphedema. And if you have lymphedema, you know what we're talking about. Our guest today is Jill Nelson. She's the owner of Integrative Therapies, and she is a specialist in helping women who are battling lymphedema. So we're excited to have you on our show. Welcome, Jill. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Happy to join you. Well, why don't you just take a couple minutes and just share a little bit about yourself with our audience, just so they can kind of get to know you a little bit, as we have done. So, um, and then we'll get into what you do. Uh, hmm. Well, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I've been here for about nine years. And previous to that, I lived in Florida for about 15 years. I managed to move up here during the year of Snowmageddon. Uh, that was <laughs> my best timing. But I yeah, was not really, huh? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where were you? Before? Um, you know, I've been uh, a licensed massage therapist for about 16 years and a certified lymphedema therapist for about 12 years. Okay. And I have a private practice in my own office in Kensington, Maryland. Wonderful. Wonderful. So what's it like living there? I mean, you lived in Florida, and it's always warm there. Where where did you live in Florida? Uh, I lived in the southeast, um, Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood. And then you moved to Washington, D.C. in a snowstorm. That's (laughs) (laughs) Well, I came in June, but then the following, uh, you know, the winter was really... But I grew up in New Jersey, so and I went to school in Boston, so it's not like I hadn't seen before. So. That's true. And you kind of got you back closer to your roots then. That's, that's good. Well, why don't you take a minute and tell us how you got into this field of work, you know, working with lymphedema. Did, was there something personal that happened that kind of led you there or was it just yeah, something not exactly. you saw you for? Um, my degree is actually in math and computer science. Um, and pretty She's much one of those r- smart ones, right Sharon. from the beginning. Um, <laughs> I started reading about, I guess, integrative medicine and uh, how to reach your best potential, meditation, visualization, yoga. Um, And so although I worked in the um, computer industry for about 12 years, I began studying different kinds of things, energy healing, Reiki, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, I also went to the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, which is a four-year program for healing science. And and in Florida, because I was in Florida at the time, you had to have a license to touch, even to do energy healing. So I did go to massage school, became a licensed massage therapist. And while I was there, I discovered lymphatic drainage, um, which is my true love. 
and uh, it has a lot of medical applications, uh, one of them being for the treatment of lymphedema. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I decided to focus on. Well, that right. that's good, and it kind of makes you pretty well-rounded having you know, all of this background. You know, last week we had a, a guest on our show who talked about hypnotherapy. You know, oh, and yeah. we've, we've done we've done a lot of shows around integrative therapy. And, you know, and I, I know as you're just kind of reading the, that, that concept of integrative therapy, therapy, it sounds like maybe we're being awfully repetitive, but we're really not because there's so many ways and different types of therapy that you can integrate. So, you know, that hypnotherapy program was fascinating. It kind of gave me a new perspective on it. And we're yet to have a Reiki therapist. I think we need to get one of those, Sharon, and have somebody come on our show with that. So good. That'd be great. That's great. So, so, you know, everybody, when you're, when you're doing this kind of work, you said that, that the lymphedema drainage is kind of your love. And so tell me, tell, tell me what, what's the greatest, let's talk, let's talk about the challenges first. What are some of the greatest challenges you face in doing this kind of work? Well, the first one is um, sort of, well, I don't know how to say, but it really it's dealing with insurance companies. Uh, so although yeah. I'm a fully certified lymphedema therapist, <laughs> I have m- many hours more training um, than are required. Uh, I am a licensed massage therapist. And uh, most insurances want you to see a physical therapist or an occupational therapist. That's who they will reimburse for, uh, or a PT or an OT assistant. Uh, Even nurses who are lymphedema therapists, uh, insurances generally do not um, pay pay uh, their patients for that. I have been lucky in that a couple of my clients have been reimbursed uh, from Blue Cross Blue Shield for my work as out-of-network. A couple have been reimbursed and a couple have not been reimbursed. Mm. Um, Yeah, insurance is so complicated. The difficulty in this work is that I work a lot with people who have cancer, and so unfortunately, uh, you know, I have a lot of clients who don't make it, and that's very hard. Yeah, we we understand that. Um, it, it's it is hard when you you know you get so close to these people that you work with, and we yes. just lost a, another patient here recently. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that they've held the funeral yet. So it, it's hard, and every time every time something like that happens, a little little piece of you goes away too. And, you know, and Sharon works so closely and directly with the patients that that we work with, you know, a lot of one-on-one coaching with them. And mm-hmm. Sharon, I know every time we lose one, that's, that's heartbreaking. I know yeah. it's, it, it is. Um, and it's funny because I'm a really positive, upbeat person. And so when I have my kind of down days, um, I kind of have to look at that because I'm sure in my psyche, I'm processing some of that and, and uh, I know um, one of the people we lost, we actually lost two, um, and one was a young person. And so it hit me probably even harder because my daughter went through cancer this last year, and um, they were about the same age. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I get that one for sure. It uh, yeah. definitely takes its toll. 
Yeah. You know, the good news is, though, and I don't want to leave our our listeners with that thought. The good news is, and, you know, Sharon and I have been doing Breast Friends for 18 years now, and wow. we are seeing such an improvement in in lifespans and, you know, people just kind of kicking cancer's butt. So yeah. they're making tremendous progress, but we still lose too many and it's it's heartbreaking when it happens so yeah yeah i would imagine that's that would be a a great challenge so we we understand that but what are the blessings why is it why is it your favorite thing to do (laughs) well well, in part uh, you know it's nice to do something positive and to contribute to people's health uh and well-being and comfort and quite honestly there's a lot of instant gratification because um Many people feel an improvement after their first hour session. Not everybody, and not to say that all the swelling goes away, but um, many people feel a substantial amount of relief after one session. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know it was helpful for me, that's for sure. So, well, thank you for sharing that. And I think Sharon's going to take us through some questions to kind of learn for our listeners what what some of the differences are. So take it away, Sharon. I will. So just so we have a really clear understanding, why don't you kind of give us a little lymphatic system 101 sort of (laughs) so we know what we're all talking about. Sure. So most people are familiar with the concept of lymph nodes. Uh, You have them under your arm. You have them in the groin. Uh, A lot of people are familiar with the nodes along their neck. Um, Sometimes when people are coming down with something, you know, they say, oh, my lymph nodes are swollen. Uh, So what a lot of people don't realize is, well, first of all, there are many more lymph nodes throughout the body. You've got a chain of lymph nodes between each of your ribs. Uh, You've got lymph nodes, uh, you know, in the back of the neck. Uh, You have deep lymph nodes. Most of the ones I just mentioned, those are fairly superficial, close to the skin. Uh, But then there are deep pelvic lymph nodes. Um, And what people don't really realize is that it's a whole system. Uh, The lymph nodes are all connected by lymphatic vessels. So just like we have blood vessels everywhere, we have lymphatic vessels everywhere. Uh, A big difference between lymphatic vessels and blood vessels are um, that lymphatic vessels have teeny tiny little muscles. Um, So the circulatory system has the pump, the heart, and the lymphatic system doesn't really have that kind of a pump, but many of the lymphatic vessels have these little muscles, and um, that's really how the lymph circulates through the body. The lymph gets to the lymph nodes, and then the lymph nodes uh, filter out any harmful uh, things, and then the cleaner lymph comes out the other side, and that's just how it circulates throughout the body. Okay, so it's actually getting rid of toxins and bad things in our body, right? Is that what I understand? you know, attacks. Uh, viruses and bacteria and that kind of thing. Okay, okay, great. And so what's the difference? I mean, I've all, I've heard of edema and then, of course, lymphedema. What's the difference? Right. So uh, lymphedema is what's known as a protein-rich edema. Uh, regular edema comes and goes. You've been on your feet too long, you know, you had a bag of chips with too much salt, and so now your feet are puffy or your hands are puffy. Uh, And, again, it comes and goes. You put your feet up and 
the edema goes away for the most part. Lymphedema is chronic swelling, and it's called a protein-rich edema. And what that means is in normal circulation, blood circulation, protein molecules come out of the tiniest little arterioles, uh, the tiny arteries, and they sit in the protein sits in the tissue, and it's the lymphatic's job to pick that protein up and carry it away. If it's been damaged in any way, if the lymphatic vessels have been cut during surgery or damaged during radiation or if lymph nodes have been removed, then it doesn't function as optimally as it should, and it may not pick up all the protein, and unfortunately, protein attracts water. So there's where the swelling comes in. And the lymphatic drainage helps to pump more of the protein out. Uh, And that's also why some people are prescribed diuretics, but... They don't, that doesn't really help lymphedema. It might help for a short time move some of the excess water out, but diuretics don't take care of moving the protein. So then basically the swelling just reoccurs. I see. Okay. And so how does this edema become protein rich? Are we eating too much protein or what? No, no, it's not about a food source of protein. It's just this... Uh, the natural protein that's in the body. Um, okay. So that's what a lot of people will ask if they have lymphedema. Should I, should I eat less protein? And, and that's not really um, the answer. It's, um, you know, it's just this chronic swelling. And the mm-hmm. okay. best thing really is movement uh, because when we move, multiple muscles move, rub up against multiple lymphatic vessels, and that stimulates the um, lymphatic vessels to contract, again, sort of, you know, what we do with lymphatic drainage, and that just helps everything circulate more. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. So I, I've heard of the compression bandaging. Luckily, I haven't had um, a lot of problem with, with lymphedema, but of course, many of our patients do. So when is that actually necessary? So that's something that a lot of uh, lymphedema clients don't really like to do, but I'm very pro-bandaging. It's very helpful. So the parts of lymphatic uh, or lymphedema treatment really are lymphatic drainage, which is very important, and it's this light, repetitive sort of pumping motion, stretching skin, because that basically stretches the lymphatic vessels under the skin, and that stimulates them to contract, which is how it all circulates. And then the next part is compression. So most people have heard of compression uh, socks or stockings or sleeves and gloves, Um, and those are okay and those are good, but for somebody who has a more extensive problem with swelling, Compression bandaging, uh, we use short stretch bandages, which look like um, other elastic bandages, but they have a different weave. And so it's a layering. Basically, you have two or three layers of bandages plus padding underneath, and this is why people don't care for bandaging, because in actual fact, the limb is bigger, because you've got this padding and you've got these bandages, 
but it's applying consistent compression, which helps, uh, A, not let the lymph you've already moved out during lymphatic drainage come back into the limb, and B, if you think of not very pleasant, but if you think of the limb with um, lymphedema, if you think of that like a sponge, so then the bandaging acts as your hands kind of squeezing out the sponge. So it maintains pressure and it helps more fluid to leave uh, that limb. Is it necessary? Again, people who have more problem with swelling, it's really advisable and it's more flexible than the compression garments because if you're having a bad day, you know, you had fast food the day before and now you're more swollen, then maybe you can't actually fit your stocking on or you can't get that your sleeve sense. on. But yeah. um, but with bandaging, it's much more adjustable. So I'm pro. Okay. Yeah. For bandaging. That's okay. really good. Yeah. We, we actually need to go out to break, but when we come back, I'd, I'd like to continue this conversation just a little bit because, you know, there there are people who can who specialize in fitting for the bandages and the sleeves, et cetera, and, and I, I'm thinking that that's probably really important. So when we come back, maybe we can talk about properly fitting or how tight do you do the bandages sure. and all that. So let's pick that up on the other side of the break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about lymphedema with our guest, Jill Nelson. And Becky, during the break, I think you had a specific question about bandaging. Why don't you ask that since that's something that you really have dealt with personally? Okay. Um, and Jill, so what, what my question is, is, you know, there's, I think people think they can just wrap something around their arm and make it go away, but you can wrap it too tight to where it causes a problem, or you can wrap it too loose to where it's not effective at all. Same thing with sleeves. If you get a sleeve that's too tight, I remember my first go around with lymphedema back in 1996. I, I had a, I, mine was really quite bad. So they put this sleeve on that was so tight that I mean, my fingers swelled up like sausages. It was awful. I couldn't wear this thing. It was extremely painful. And um, I was told I needed to wear it if I go flying. Well, I fly a lot. And to wear something that's that tight and that uncomfortable, it just made no sense. Should it be that tight? Or is it? Is there something, a rule to follow on, on fitting? And how do you get fitted properly? Yeah, no, it shouldn't be that tight for the exact reason that you stated, uh, if it's too tight, uh, then it's going to actually cut off circulation. Um, I actually do not fit for uh, compression garments. Uh, I have a woman I send all my clients to. She's fabulous, and that's what she does all day, five days a week. Um, so you need to find a, a good fitter. And the good ones, if a mistake has been made either on their part, uh, or in the manufacturing, if you are getting a um, one that's made specifically for you rather than off the shelf, uh, you know the company will redo it and make it right. Um, so it is important to get a um, somebody who has a lot of experience with fitting. And with the bandages, um, so yeah, you can't wrap anything. Um, so a lot of people think they're like ace bandages, but they're not. Uh, they don't stretch as much as ace bandages. The short, the short stretch bandages we use for um, for compression bandaging, um, they have what's called a resting phase. So if you're uh, not moving, then they don't apply as much pressure. When you're moving, your muscles it applies a little differently. So the steps of bandaging are um, there's a just sort of a knit sleeve. It doesn't apply any compression. Uh, they can be cotton, which is ideal. It's a little stretchy. It's just sort of um, protection between your skin and the bandages. Then there's the padding. So if we're talking about an arm, uh, sometimes let's say the upper arm is very swollen and the forearm is not so swollen. So we would use a little bit more padding on the forearm because what you want to have is as even a tube as possible, and it actually has to do with physics. Uh, but please don't ask me too much about that. Um, <laughs> okay, and, no problem. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so then basically you start with the fingers. Um, I use gauze, uh, double uh, width, not double width, double um, two pieces of a gauze, uh, and you start with the fingers, and then you start with a... Uh, a bandage that's not so wide around the hand, and then it goes up the arm, and then you pro- you have a two or three or four bandages that sort of get a little wider, and it's basically the fact that you are putting multiple bandage- 
bandages on, multiple levels or layers, I should say, that's what creates the compression. There are some people who stretch the bandages very tightly, and that makes a lot of compression, and that's not really the best because then it's sort of like the problem with your too tight sleeve. Um, so many people, not counting in the summertime when it's hot, but many people find that the bandaging is actually kind of comforting. It's this comforting pressure, and there's more pressure uh, if we're talking about an arm, so there's a little bit more compression at the wrist and the forearm, and then it slightly less compression as you go up the arm so that the fluid can leave and, oh, you know, go into okay. the armpit and go on its merry way. Okay. Well, you're, and, and basically when I've explained this to my patients um, when they're dealing with this is, is basically you're training your body because some lymph nodes have been removed to take a different path. So by doing this compression, uh, whether you're doing it with a sleeve or with bandaging, you're basically training that lymphatic fluid to go somewhere else. Yeah, sort of. Um, I mean, you're basically encouraging it to move um, and not just stay in the tissue. As far as, like, having it go somewhere else, there are certain areas in the body called anastomoses where you can actually reverse the flow of the lymph. So um, there's one basically across the chest uh, from armpit to armpit. Normally, the flow would be from the center of the chest out to the armpit. If you've had lymph nodes removed in your right armpit, uh, then what we can do is work to train that fluid to move across the chest to the opposite. So you're kind of reversing that section of the anastomosis to actually yeah. flow into That's the other. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah, to yeah. carry the lymph into the opposite uh, armpit. Yeah. And Jill, I, I heard that the lymph, or the way I understand it too, the lymph node, the lymph, excuse me, the lymphatic system kind of resides right under the skin. It's really close to the surface, which is why you don't want to put too deep of a pressure because you're, you're kind of squishing it or something. Exactly. Can you, can you explain that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, so a lot of uh, massage therapists will say, oh, you know, massage helps the lymphatic system. It might to a very small degree, but as we know, massage is much deeper. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, so lymphatic drainage is just this very light pumping motion. It's done in a particular pattern according to... Um, you know, right and left, and whether you're working above the belly button or below the belly button, um, above the belly button drains to the armpit, below drains to the groin, and uh, and it is this light stretching, pumping motion which stimulates those lymphatic vessels to contract. Uh, if it's too deep, then as you say, it squishes and it doesn't have the same stimulating effect to get things mm-hmm. pumping. Yeah. So who developed lymphatic drainage? It sounds fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that was a a physical therapist back in the 30s, um, Emil Vodder. Some people who are familiar with lymphatic drainage probably know the Vodder name. There's the Vodder School. And um, he is, I think he was Belgian and he was working in the south of France. And he was seeing all these uh, clients who 
were having issues, sinus problems and swollen lymph nodes. And somehow he, I guess he studied the lymphatic system and saw that it was so superficial and he developed the lymphatic drainage. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, what are the precautions that we should take to lower the risk of developing lymphedema in the first place? Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but um, you really can't eliminate uh, the possibility. If you've had lymph nodes removed, you can't eliminate the possibility of lymphedema. Um, Some people think that once they're lymphedema-free for a couple of years, they're good to go. Unfortunately, I've heard of people developing lymphedema 30 years after having a mastectomy and lymph nodes removed. So the most important ones are uh, no injections or blood draws on that side. So if you've had uh, surgery on your right side, no injections or blood draws from your right arm. It's best not to have your blood pressure taken on that side either. Um, you want to be careful of any kind of injury to the side that's affected. Uh, if you have pets, be careful of them, you know, scratches, little love bites, whatever. Always clean out any kind of wound, even superficial scratches, um, as quickly as possible. It's a good idea to carry a little bit of antibiotic cream with you for that kind of purpose. Um, In the summertime, use sunblock. You should also really pretty much limit your um, limit direct sun in the summertime. Really? Should should probably do that anyway, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or at least use a lot of sunblock. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So how about about going back to like a regular um, exercising routine or lifting weights, things like that? How, How does that affect? Absolutely. Uh, you know, years ago, I think it might have been the Journal of American uh, Medical Association, they came out with a study. Originally, everybody was told don't lift over 5 pounds or 10 pounds. And, you know, that's not very uh, convenient if you have a 20-pound child you need to lift up. Um, so they found that, in fact, exercising is very helpful. Uh, it's as I said earlier, every time you move your a muscle, it rubs up against multiple lymphatic vessels, so that stimulates them to contract and contributes to uh, lymphatic circulation. So, you know, if you had been using weights beforehand, uh, go back to doing it, but you want to start back off a little bit. Let's say you're lifting 50 pounds. Before your surgery, you don't want to start off lifting 50 pounds. And if you can find somebody, these days they have uh, specialized exercise people who know what it's like uh, to work with people after cancer. Um, I refer people to uh, special people in the area who are trained yoga people and other exercise facilitators who've been trained. Um, to know what to look for and and help people. You know, good form is important and always pay attention to your comfort. And if you're, you know, you don't want to overstress your muscles or your lymphatic system. So right. that uh, makes sense. exercise is great. Actually, a really wonderful exercise if you have lymphedema is swimming. Um, it's kind of 
bang, two bangs for your buck or whatever. Uh, a, swimming is a fabulous exercise. And B, the water acts as compression. So mm-hmm. you sort of have some natural compression oh, while you're sense. in the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that yeah, does that make sense. Is, so I, I know I Sharon, just real quick, can I, I want to ask a clarifying question based on something that we've already covered. So I kind of want to go back there before we move on. Um, you were talking about to avoid, you know, uh, needle draws and blood pressure and all that on the side where you had uh, lymph right. nodes removed. So in my situation, because I get asked that all the time and I never really know what to say to them, my right side, I had 16 lymph nodes removed out from under my arm 22 years ago. And then eight years later, when my cancer came on the other side, I did the sentinel node biopsy and they ended up removing 10 sentinel nodes on my left side. So they're not under the armpit. They're all right around the actual tumor. So <laughs> how, what, what do I tell them? Yeah, I, yeah I really that know. is challenging. Um, if they are willing and if you are willing, um, you know, I believe they can take blood pressure from uh, the foot or the ankle. I'm not 100% sure, but I think um, sometimes it's unavoidable. I had a person who had skin cancer on the side where she had lymphedema, and, you know, mm. it is unavoidable. But mm. if they can find other places, I think I think they can also do a blood draw from a foot, um, if that's Ew. possible. <laughs> Sounds awful. Not pleasant. Uh, but, yeah. let, let, me, let me ask it a different way. Is there a lesser of two evils? I mean, if I had to pick one side or the other and we had to do the arm or the hand or something, um, would there be one side that would be better to... You know, like the one that's the longest. I would say, yeah, the, the side that had the fewer lymph nodes removed. Okay, all right. That's and even though I wasn't under my arm, it was it was the sentinel node. So, okay, well, that's that's good to know because I know a lot of people way back in the day they didn't do sentinel node and now they right. do. And so, if you've done both, and a lot of us have, it's nice to have that option. So, thank you for allowing me to go there. Oh, no, that's um, a great question. <laughs> no, that was an important question for people. I mean, I'm 24 years out, and so I kind of don't really think about it you know when they ask me what side it's like yeah I don't care uh, but but I probably should still care um, yes. just from what you're saying is the reality is I could still develop it 24 years later which is kind of annoying <laughs> to yeah, think about unfortunately yeah. but it is yeah. but it is the reality so <laughs> we probably have time yeah. for one more question before we go out to breaks but a short okay. a short question with a short answer well, so um uh, I was I was really curious about the whole self care part of it, and maybe that's not the shortest um, uh, question start. to ask, but we can at least start that that process. I know with with um, uh, with the specialty work that you do, and then, but I can't, you know, if I'm dealing with lymphedema, I can't be in your office every day to get my lymphedema or lymphatic drainage done. So, how do I take care of myself? Right. Um, I I teach my clients uh, all the self-care. So I show them how to do lymphatic drainage on themselves. I give them a little diagram with arrows and a written explanation about how to do it. Uh, Also, if they're willing to bandage, I teach them how to bandage. That's not the easiest thing if you're trying to bandage your own arm, but it's absolutely possible and doable. Uh, the other things to be concerned of is uh, skin care. So um, people need to make sure they're moisturizing. 
so that uh, the the skin integrity is maintained and you can call it exercise, but it, which is great if people are willing to really do actual exercise or just even movement. There are certain movements um, to do, uh, you know, specifically for your arm or for your leg, and it's even better if you're using compression to do it with your compression on. So uh, I do teach my clients how to to manage their own lymphedema because, yes, they're not going to be in my office every day and sometimes not even every week. So yeah. it's very important. Yeah. It's, it's all about self-care with yeah. lymphedema after your initial treatment. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what that therapist did with me. She taught me, you know, even like if I just even start to feel a little bit of swelling, don't wait for it yeah. to get really full. Just start right as soon as you even sense it and and get that fluid moving. So, so on that note, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about lymphedema with our guest, Jill Nelson. So, Jill, um, you know, when I'm feeling a little tight, um, I know that I'm not drinking enough water. So I, you know, start plugging the water and then that gets the uh, fluids moving in me. But, But how about, does that affect lymphedema as well? Well, a lot of people think if they have swelling, 
that they should cut back on water. Um, but that's definitely not the case. You really want to be drinking uh, whatever, whoever you subscribe to, whether it's eight glasses a day or take your weight, divide by two, and that's how many ounces you should have. Um, it's very important to drink a lot of water. The lymph is at least 75% uh, water, and, um, you know, you want to keep it flowing. So uh, water is important. It's especially important after you have a session of lymphatic drainage. Uh, how the excess fluid is removed from the body is uh, the lymph, you know, circulates eventually in the chest. The lymph fluid dumps into the bloodstream. Blood passes through the kidneys and urine is produced. So that's how excess water is removed. So it's, it's very important to drink uh, a good amount of water. You know, one and of our guests a couple of years ago talked about water, and I think it was I think it was Dr. Cynthia Axe who said this. I could be wrong, but she described when we have when we don't drink enough water, the water that is pooling in our bodies. Think about it: a pond that's just stagnant, and it's just sitting there, and and it's getting more and more toxic because it's got you know yeah. larvae and all this crud and the only way to clean that pond is to add new water and flush out the old water and then it's clean and fresh and and you're and and it functions better so kind of think about that you know for your own body when you don't drink enough water it's just getting stagnant and gross so i I thought that was a really coffee doesn't count i know darn it (laughs) just just because just because we use water to make our coffee or those kinds of come on take all my yeah it doesn't work So, but fruits and vegetables do count because they have a high content of, you know, water in them. So they, they contribute. Well, that's good. That, that's good to know. Well, before we get too far into this last segment, because this is kind of our shortest one, I do want to ask you about cellulitis because it seems like I think that's a higher risk for patients with lymphedema. Can you talk about what it is sort of briefly and, and how to prevent it? Because it's pretty serious, as, as I understand. Yeah, so cellulitis is an infection. Uh, it's uh, an infection of... Um, the dermis, which is right below, you know, the epidermis is what's on the outside. The dermis is what's below that. And um, people who have lymphedema are more susceptible to cellulitis. The And using the doctor's analogy of a pond, so you, as a person who has lymphedema, there's more fluid, and that is like standing water, which attracts mosquitoes in your body. That standing water attracts bacteria, and when it reaches a critical mass, uh, you have this infection. And the signs and symptoms of cellulitis, you may see a patch of redness. Uh, It might look like a bad sunburn. It might be hot to the touch. Um, It might be painful. You might feel sort of like, you know, you're coming down with something. And it's really important to see your doctor immediately if um, if the doctor's office is closed or you can't see them because they're booked. Go to the emergency room. I've had several people I've had to send away from my office um, because I could see, you know, once I looked at their arm or their leg, whatever I'm l- working on, they've got this redness. And it can spread quickly. It can be deadly. And you really need Ooh. to have uh, antibiotics. Uh, if 
the ER says, we'd like to give you IV antibiotics, I highly recommend doing that um, because I've had clients who have been treated with oral antibiotics and I don't know if they haven't done it properly, but what I found is the people who take oral antibiotics, they have many more reoccurrences of cellulitis, whereas really? the people who have intravenous, even if that means a hospital stay, um, they often have fewer reoccurrences. Wow. So it, it's, very, it's very important to take that seriously. You don't say, well, I had somebody who said, well, I have a doctor's appointment on Tuesday, and this was Friday. Yeah, and I was yeah like, Please. exactly. And she actually went to the doctor. She started taking her antibiotics, and she still ended up in the hospital oh. a day or two later. So it, it's, oh, it's very boy. important. Is it always something that, I mean, some things that just seem to start on their own, but it, does it always require like a poke or a, like, wasn't it Yvonne, <clears throat> Sharon, that was out trimming rose bushes or something and got stabbed uh, no, by a thorn? It wasn't Yvonne, but yes, it, I, one of my patients, uh, she was even wearing um, uh, garden gloves and oh. she got poked by one of her, her roses and uh, ended up with uh, lymphedema from, from that poke. Yeah. So cellulitis. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't cellulitis. Oh. She, she, she actually got lymphedema from, from that poke. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought I thought it was Yvonne is our is our guest co-host, which is why right, I can talk right. about her. But she's she's the one that got cellulitis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was. But can you ever get it? Just like it just starts with no known cause, or is there always something you can relate it to like that? I think sometimes it is no known, uh, no known cause. Because I remember having a client, and she said, you know, I I didn't get bitten by anything. I didn't get a paper cut. I so wow. sometimes it's just. The bacteria and, you know, is just collecting in that, uh, that fluid, the lymph fluid. And like I said, it reaches a critical mass, and, and that's what happens. Well, yeah, so just maybe not drinking enough water at the wrong time, you know, can, can potentially, you know, make that happen. Ugh. Yeah, that's possibly. really scary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's probably why you suggested carrying antibiotic cream. So if you do get a little poke or something, you can exactly. put that on right away. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. I Thank have a you client for... who's a teacher who mm-hmm. got a paper cut, and then she, yeah. developed, she developed lymphedema. She didn't ah. develop cellulitis. But um, sometimes people develop cellulitis, and then that triggers lymphedema. Okay, so it can go that way too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's definitely something to take seriously. All right. So thank you for letting me go back to that question because I really, really wanted to cover that. So Well, and I also wanted to talk about kind of the future of, of new treatments for, for lymphedema too. Um, so what's, what's new and exciting on the horizon? Uh, well, the future is here, as they say. Um, <laughs> So some of the things are lymph node transfers. So uh, for a woman, let's say, who has lymphedema in her right arm, um, what they'll do is map. Um, they inject some dye, which will show up all the lymph uh, vessels and nodes, and they will sometimes take lymph nodes, let's say, out of the left groin, 
and plant them. They don't actually put them uh, necessarily in the armpit, but somewhere on that arm that has the lymphedema. And um, some people have had really successful lymph node transfers. As far as I know, it's not like 100% uh, diminishing of their swelling, but uh, quite a substantial reduction. Um, So I think that's very cool, um, and that's becoming more and more uh, common, this microsurgery, doing that kind of thing. There's also, and this is probably somewhat controversial, but there's specialized liposuction. And um, I had a client who had that done. Her outcome was really marvelous. She looked fabulous. She felt better. And so for that, you know, there you really have to do your homework and and find doctors who are doing specialized liposuction for people who have uh, lymphedema. It cannot be done, you know, your standard liposuction. Um, yeah, for- and that that actually brings uh, up a question for me too. So, if somebody had liposuction, does that actually pull out lymph nodes? Sometimes that's a good question. Um, I don't think it it pulls out. You know, it doesn't pull out anything, but I think it definitely damages lymphatic vessels. Uh, mm-hmm. So, personally, I say to my clients, I would never have liposuction. I would have a facelift, but I would not uh, have <laughs> liposuction because I think it, it can damage. Yeah. Yeah, because so what- some of our reconstruction options are, you know, they're doing fat grafting, and, of course, they're sucking out fat somewhere else and putting it, you know, up up top to kind of, you know, um, soften the result a bit. And uh, so that that's an interesting concept. I hadn't actually even thought that that would be a potential. Wow. Hmm. Right. Well, it, and it also depends on, um, you know, again, your body is uh, sectioned off into different regions. So if you're sucking fat, let's say, out of the hips, the thighs, that's, not the same region as the breast. So, right. you know, they sure. might be right. taking fat from that area and then injecting it, um, you know, to create a more natural breast. Um, right. So, yeah, well, way, always and, weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, yeah definitely. This is, this is fascinating, and unfortunately, we are out of time. And um, so what we'd like to do, first off, Jill, thank you so much for giving us your time today. If people wanted to reach you because maybe they had a few more questions, maybe how to find a lymphedema specialist in their area, can they reach out to you through your Facebook page or through your website? Uh, Sure, yeah. My uh, website is jillnelson.massagetherapy.com. I do have a Facebook page. It's integrative therapies. I don't have the exact uh, website address for that, but they could probably find me that way. Sure. Okay. Um, Well, that's really great because I know there's, there's still a lot of, we didn't quite get to everything, but you know, that happens sometimes. So (laughs) you just have a lot, you just have a lot of good content. So we really appreciate it. So anyway, thank thank you you again for being a guest on our show. Um, To our listeners out there, this show will be um, live in our, or available in our archives, and you can certainly direct your friends to that. If any of you ever need any of our services, our website is breastfriends.org. Uh, there's lots of good questions on there.
there, things, questions to ask your doctor, tips and tricks on different kinds of things. So, so please, you know, go look at our website, see if there's anything that we can do to help you. We also have an app available through our, uh, through Google Play and the App Store, where you can uh, get a lot of those questions answered. Um, and also through our website, if you like our show, you're certainly welcome to make a donation online and keep our show going. So um, really encourage you to do that. And just to let you know, we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.